to episode five of Cinebabble. I am your host, Ken Brown, and this is my co-host... Clint Jones. Clint Jones. Did you see that? He, he got it right out there. Man, you set me up. I did. I did. That's what we do here. Hit it over the net. We just hand Lolly. each other wins. Yeah. And uh, we make sure we keep each other encouraged, because sometimes, uh, you may not know, but the podcasting life, it's a series of, of downs and, uh, and depressions lows. and valleys, and you got to crawl out of them. A lot of lows. Yeah. Uh, but thankfully, Clint is here to to pull me up when I can't quite mm-hmm. climb that cliff. <laughs> <laughs> it's anyway. a rocky, steep quagmire. Yeah. Did you go back this week and watch Con Air, or did you watch Con Air for the first <laughs> no. time? I've been dying to ask. <laughs> that, no. No, that totally left my mind after we were done. I, it was just gone yeah, that quick. I did not even oh, cross my mind to come back to that film. I went back and watched The Rock. Oh, <laughs> that's what. And I'll I'll talk about it in a little bit here. I'm kind of spoiling. What you watching about? But uh, yeah, I went back Jumping and watched the, the Rock, mm-hmm. and um, it holds up. It holds up. Yeah, but yeah, I watched it a couple years ago at my but at Josh's house. Our friend Josh, he has an outdoor outdoor movie night like like once a month, and we did that one night. Was, do you have any affection for Armageddon? I know that has nothing to do with Nicolas Cage, but <laughs> it kind of falls in that. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you have you seen that recently? No, though? I haven't seen it probably okay. since it came out. Uh, the Criterion Edition, if you go, uh, there's a great cast commentary that's pretty awful, except for when Ben Affleck speaks up and just the entire time trashes the movie <laughs> and makes fun of it. Uh-huh. It's, it's adorable. It's great fun. I bet, yeah. Uh, so. It still baffles my mind that that's on Criterion. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they were trying to capture you know important movements in film, and at the time yeah. it seemed like, I guess, to someone mm-hmm. that Michael Bay was... No, I... I I can't even muster no. a defensive criterion. It was you really let us down, Crite. <laughs> you just you could have done better. I expect more. You gave me a criterion. <laughs> I mimed a tear. No one can see that you just put your finger to your eye they can. and they can. pantomime the tear. If I tear. press hard enough on my face, it's audio gold. <laughs> I don't think that's how podcasting works. It this does. is another one of those yeah. valleys, and if I'm lifting If you try hard up. enough, the visuals I'm come through. Up. So, uh, you know, let's just get a move on it. What you watching about, Clint? Ken, I have a very special what you watching about. Oh, like an after-school special what yeah. you watching about? Yeah, where I'm all about this. Little Johnny was addicted to pills. Oh, man. What did Little Johnny, while addicted to pills, watch about? Well, while this Little Johnny was addicted to pills this past (laughs) Saturday, (laughs) him and his druggy wife put on their walking shoes, walked to the car, took off their walking shoes like Mr. Rogers, put on their driving shoes, (laughs) drove to the nearest... Um, Alamo Draft House. Okay. And we saw Jojo Rabbit. Oh. Yeah. And? It was amazing. Oh, my goodness. Definitely one of my favorite so movies happy. of the year. Oh, man. So good. So joyous. So funny. So moving. Really? Yeah. Like, it was a lot more moving than I was expecting. Like, a lot <sighs> of levity to it. I was really surprised. It, it felt like a... Um, more grounded Wes Anderson film. Hmm. And I think it's just maybe because the time period it's dealing with kind of felt like Moonrise Kingdom mm-hmm. and uh, the colors that they were going for. and um, But none of the, like, it doesn't have that 
typical Wes Anderson way of acting. Like the, the pervasive the dead, quirkiness. The, yeah, the quirky deadpan that everyone kind of has. It's a lot more emotive and, um, you know, Taika Waititi's yeah. um, sense of humor. Even from the trailer, I mean, that really kind of sits on the, the Hitler character. It doesn't seem to be with the other actors. They seem to be much more... Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of humor throughout mm-hmm. it, and but there's a lot of like they they don't shy away from what they're dealing oh, wow. with, and in uh, the choices of music that it, like a lot of it's um, David Bowie songs, but when okay. he like recorded, he recorded them in German mm-hmm. versions too of the songs, so they used all the German versions, and uh, it, it's really fun, and I I really okay. loved it. All right, well, the minute I can see this thing, we will definitely yeah. review that. I don't want to go into it too deeply, but I was really happy a nice uh a little fun thing like um that they did at the alamo they always kind of show things related to the director um before they show the main feature and they showed um i guess for a few years running taika was doing these 48 48 hour film festivals and so there are these just super low budget like no budget at all. They're just making them on the weekend for this thing. And uh, it's all Taika. And he just has this, every single one, he has this obsession with really fake teeth. Like you would get out of a gumball machine okay. and really bad wigs. And he plays all the characters and he'll just jump <laughs> back and forth. One of them was really amazing where he's like a kind of like a Rambo character. And he like jumps back and forth between him and being uh, like a soldier, <laughs> or not a soldier, but like a sergeant. And like um, they'll be talking back and forth. But there's a scene where they're in combat, and Taika is every soldier. And <laughs> so it was like two or three minutes straight of just him acting out, getting shot in the most <laughs> ridiculous, like falling over railings, and it was just low budget, like madness it was fun <laughs> fun to see that like where he like his p- progression throughout the years from where he came from it was, okay. it was cool and it's but, at the draft house yeah just south of us yeah which they're getting it's um, really tempting they're getting the lighthouse i think this uh december 2nd so maybe we'll 100 percent on board for that yes yeah okay. we should do that i think that'd be yes. really fun yes i was just listening to uh the id10t yeah podcast where um uh, Willem Dafoe was on there mm-hmm. talking about the lighthouse. Did you catch that episode? No, I haven't been listening to his podcast. Okay, recently. it was really good. Yeah, uh, it was a good interview, and they do a lot of. Sometimes uh, on that podcast, they'll kind of go off into the weeds, and they don't speak a lot about the movie itself. Uh-huh. But this had a lot where they covered uh, the movie and and what was happening on set, and uh, a lot about why Dafoe chose it and yeah uh, it was just it was really interesting that's cool so yeah yeah my brother says it's like his favorite film of the year so oh, i'm man. really looking forward so to it. lighthouse and jojo rabbit just double feature it oof that, <laughs> i don't know <laughs> you gotta go lighthouse first on that one you gotta go dark first yeah no? i don't know do you, do you top off with dark i think you might because you might not want to s- stay for another one after jojo you might okay. yeah do okay. the yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's I haven't a done a double feature in a long time. I like a pure double feature? Yeah, I haven't either. So. No. I mean, I have it home because flu. Right. Yeah, that's usually when I double, yeah, triple, but at the actual feature. theater, no, no, I haven't done that in years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm all about it. So yeah. Jojo Rabbit was. It was great. Oh, I'm so happy yeah. to hear that. I held my tongue on that one and wanted to just be a little. I, it was it was a nice surprise. Yeah. A little little holiday surprise right there. <laughs> Coming up on Christmas, early Christmas present. It's a Thanksgiving miracle. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Ken, what you watching about? Thank <laughs> you. Did good with it this week. <laughs> I really had to try. <laughs> you really you look like you've been practicing in the mirror a little bit there. I had. I yeah. plan to watch quite a few things, and our Nicolas Cage conversation really. <laughs> It did strange things to my brain. It derailed your viewing habits for a I, I watched four Nicolas Cage movies oh my this week. Gosh. <laughs> I'm surprised you're standing. I'm sorry. Uh, one, I went back and watched Adaptation. Oh, um, yeah. And thoroughly enjoyed that. I watched The Rock. Mm-hmm. I watched Next. Have you ever seen Next? I don't think so. No. Don't. Okay. Stay away from it. I'll avoid that one. It's awful. <laughs> and then just for some... Uh, Childhood th- horror thrills. I watched Nicolas Cage's Left Behind. Oh my I, gosh, I totally <laughs> forgot about that one. It was. <laughs> oh, Clint. Wow. Had you seen it before? No. Mm. No. It was um it was a movie. Right. There were credits. Yeah. And, um In, like an intro, like Credits and ending credits. Mm-hmm. And it was missing some things that normal movies have. Yeah. Acting. Right. Performances, a script, special effects. Those aren't um, important. No, no. 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 It was it was uh it was it was not worth my time. The rock <laughs> the rock was definitely the highlight. And Man. adaptation I really enjoyed, but the rock was just my oh, it was my highlight of the week. When we get to one of our reviews, I'm gonna give you a really hard time. Because you watched all of that <laughs> film <laughs> and couldn't get 15 minutes into this one. Well, I no. The the one you were referring to, I watched the entire film. The first time I tried right. it, I only made it 15 minutes. And in my defense, those first 15 minutes, nothing happens. Nothing. Yes, it does. Liar. We're going to talk about it when we get we to it. We will fight. <laughs> That's you're gonna, fine. You're going to have some pod boxing. <laughs> Right here in the studio, um, because that's a dirty lie. Uh, it's just a difference of opinion. Have you been watching anything else this week? No, that was the main thing, okay. really, I yeah. wanted to talk about. Yeah. I would say I didn't do a lot of watching, but I did a lot of yeah. watching. It was just, I don't know what happened. It was it was not, it, it was ill-advised, and I wish, wish I hadn't done it. It was one of those, uh, that, that's my regret for this year. Hmm. My, Way to end the year. Yeah, really. Well, <laughs> the year is not over yet. There's yeah. plenty more time to make plenty mistakes. Plenty of time. Uh, the other reason I haven't watched a lot is I picked up this new Star Wars video game. I did now. too. Did you? Yeah. First game I've bought since the beginning of the right? year. Right? I have not video gamed much at all. Yeah. I just don't have a lot of time for it anymore. But Star Wars, mm-hmm. uh, have you played it at all? Yeah, I'm very early into it. I am yeah. also very early into it. Yeah. Uh, what's your impressions? I like it. Yeah. 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 I I'm think it's a, a lot of fun. With it. I like that it, I didn't expect it to be kind of an open world kind of yeah. thing, which I was pleasantly surprised about. And yeah. And I like the kind of puzzle aspect to it a little bit. I was pleasantly surprised with the story. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm really kind of wrapped up in, in the characters yeah. so Like far. I'm still on the first planet, so I'm yeah. very early. But yeah. But the, that it. entire intro, even the the quick little uh, buddying up of of you and what I don't that, know yeah. Walrus face, whatever <laughs> Ren or whatever his name was. Uh-huh. Uh, but I, I was I was really kind of attached to him. I knew he was going to die. Yeah. Uh, but I was you know I was kind of attached to him, and I just even I though know. he has like a Boston accent. Well, <laughs> it works in a video game. Yeah. Uh, not so much for me. And, and I know. And I went back and watched the the first episode of The Mandalorian and. 
I don't know if it was the accent or, or the common vernacular, or it's just that it's Horatio Sands. Yeah. And he doesn't... No. There's just not a lot there. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But you can't watch something for the first time twice, so I have no way of analyzing it. <laughs> yeah, my son really seemed to be enjoying it. Yeah. Apparently, every other human being on the planet is really enjoying The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're just old, grumpy men. I guess. That, uh, I, I I don't know what we expected. I don't either. I don't either. But speaking of, you think it's time for a little Mandalorian minute? <laughs> Cue music. Cue music. Mandalorian minute. So instead of a full review of Mandalorian Episode 2, we're going to follow Disney's lead. And instead of spending a lot of time doing something of quality, <laughs> we're just going to go even shorter. And... Clint, you have one minute. Uh, Give me your Mandalorian Episode 2 review. My review of Mandalorian Episode 2 is it has a lot of really cool set pieces that I really enjoyed, but nothing connecting it. No connective tissue that I feel is very interesting. The character, I feel like, still hasn't been developed in any way. And I know he's supposed to be kind of like a man of few words, but it's really hard when he's under a helmet and you can't get any expression out of his face. So I'm just still disconnected from it. Even though it looks good, the, I like the set pieces, but I'm still just not latched onto it yet. Did you enjoy the insanely overblown seven minutes of him getting tossed around in the mud? No, okay. I didn't like that. I liked the him um, trying to scale the um, like rover, like the giant um, tank. Treaded, what, what, are they, what are those called? Do you know? You know what I'm talking about? The sand crawler? Yeah, sand crawler. Clint. What? I don't... I'm not... I'm not one of those. You should be. <laughs> the sand crawler. I the like that. The sand crawler. Okay. I, I like that whole okay. sequence. I like that whole sequence till it got clear to the top and then just fell got off. Got kicked off. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm having a hard time understanding why they're building up this guy to be kind of the the ultimate bounty hunter in the universe, but then the first two episodes has just been a, a continual... Yeah. Oh look, he can't ride a horse. Did you thing. like the whole oh, quest look, of can't. the whole quest of the like he they stripped his ship and then he has to try to just no. get his yeah no I didn't, it was it was an episode where something happens in the plot mm-hmm. that fills time and provides conflict only to get the main character back exactly where they started right and so the episode starts with him needing to get on the ship and fly away the episode ends with him getting on the ship and flying yeah. away yeah so. Okay. Yeah, I so wasn't. That, was, that was pretty good. You had a good Mandalorian minute. <laughs> I enjoyed that. I I involved myself too much in your minute, but I hear you. I think you added some nice things to it. I did. You added Sandcrawler. You fill in my yeah. gaps of knowledge. I did. And make fun um, of me for not my knowing my you. Mandalorian minute was going to be much more of like a Skywalker second. Skywalker second. And I was just going to say. <laughs> oh. That man. was my entire reaction to that second episode. Yeah. It was not bad. No. It was not good. That's it, how I was with the first episode. It was there. Yeah. And I really desperately want to love this. I really do. Yeah. I want to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think my biggest problem, uh, I got into three separate arguments this week uh, with people that were really excited. Like, did you like it? Right. No. Yeah, yeah. And then they got a little offended and we had a debate. And I think what I finally settled on is I was expecting it to be Rogue One in tone. Yeah. And it is not. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it, it just, I think if it was an animated series, I would even like it exactly as is. Right. Uh, it just, it has much more of a, it feels like an animated series. It yeah. feels like a cartoon. It does. Uh, rather than, I, I don't know. Yeah. Did you I, like any of the Yoda, like little baby? No, he's not a Yoda. He's not Yoda. He's not but, Yoda, but, but everybody's, everybody's calling him I know. Yoda. Yeah. He's cute. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know. I like the practicality of, yeah. 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 It's fun. Um, I'm okay with it. He looks a little like Mogwai. Or yeah. Mogwai. Yeah. Looks like Gizmo. Right. Even when he's walking and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, don't get baby Yoda wet and <laughs> don't feed baby Yoda after midnight. Uh-huh. And uh, don't shine light on baby Yoda. Just don't look so, at Baby Yoda. Yeah. My my favorite part slash least favorite part of the episode was when uh, Baby Yoda so exerts himself in the Force yeah, that he, he passes, passes out. out for, I guess, three days. <laughs> <laughs> like, I get size matters not, and you can lift that ship out of the swamp. Right. Uh, but, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know about passing out for three days when, uh, <laughs> when you lift a space rhino. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I'm that was your Mandalorian it. minute. <laughs> it's like Mandalorian two and change three, yeah. maybe. I don't know. We'll work. We on can't that. tell time. We'll work on next next week. We'll have a timer. We'll really hold each other to the wire there. <laughs> It'll ding and we just stop on a dime. <laughs> I like that. Just like the episode. <laughs> <laughs> See, that was a visual thing that no one will hear. Your face <laughs> drops like a rock. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, I'm. I'll, I'll keep watching it. Yeah, I am for sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now this week there's been quite a few news stories, and I have been anxious to talk to you about them because okay, each I have one no of idea these. What you're gonna say, I know. So. I know. We have yeah. not prepared for this at all. I've done all the like reading. Things. I've done all the research. All you have to do is react. Okay. Maybe you haven't even heard of this stuff. Most likely not. I almost guarantee one of them you have. Okay. I'm really excited to talk about it. Uh, but we'll get to that one okay. first. Today, did you see a little thing in the Hollywood Reporter that they have greenlit a sequel to Joker? I did. That's the one thing I did see. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about this? Not great. Yeah. Or me either. No interest. So, what what would this have to be to garner your interest? What Joker two would would really grab a hold of Clinton Jones' brain and just drag you into the theater excited? Overlooking the flaws of the first and uh, eager to partake in whatever Todd Phillips serves up next. I think they would just need to not have Todd Phillips doing it. Oh, really? Is yeah. that where you've come to? It's a director thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just have no confidence in him after that. It was just felt so shallow to me that I feel like he, every point he was trying to make, he missed himself. So yeah. I don't know. I just, I haven't thought about it too deeply where I have... Some thing that they could do that I would be on board again. Yeah, I've I've warmed uh, even more to Joaquin Phoenix's performance. Really, and and I've chilled on on the direction of yeah. it. I know when I first saw it, it, it really felt like, oh, cinematography and all these things are really on point. Yeah, but the more I the more I've thought about it, uh, it, it almost enhances the disappointment because if you're going to have some real artistic meat to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It has to have a script. It's gotta. It's gotta have some substance to it. Otherwise, it it's even more apparent that what you've got is just set dressing or a pretty right. picture or, um, I don't know. It, it just there are different things about it that just haven't sat well with me. Yeah, I don't even I, know what I would want from a Joker well, too. And I know, and and at the point where they'll be in the story if they continue on from where they left off, mm-hmm. 
um, where he's more of a joker than Arthur Fleck. I don't... That last scene where he's on the talk show, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I liked his Joker. No. Like, I liked his Arthur Fleck, but if they're continuing on with the Joker Mm -hmm. more, I don't know if I was into it. He was much more of a pathetic character. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't And I'm not talking about the performance. I just... The way the character developed, he was... He wasn't like... It wasn't sad. No. It wasn't scary. No, it it wasn't scary. It wasn't like psychotic and you don't know what he's going to do. It was just... I don't. I could not wrap my head around. And exactly even the violence seems so small. Yeah. That again, it, it just. I don't know. It yeah. Didn't... Like rather, like Heath Ledger, that performance. I love that performance as Joker. Yeah. Because he had that menace and that, um, and the like anarchy side yeah. of it, where you just don't know what is going to happen. If I was in a room with Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. I would just keep to myself. Yeah. But I would, you know, I, I wouldn't feel under immediate threat. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be frightened to be in that room. Heath Ledger's Joker. Right. I want out of that room. Yeah. I don't want to be anywhere in there because it just even from the first scene, mm-hmm. everything about him, even when you don't know it's him, everything about him is unpredictable. Yeah. It is unhinged and it turns on a dime and, and that's scary. Right. And I just... Could have gone there in the new Joker movie, yeah, but just didn't get there. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, the other uh, news story I wanted to talk to you about, because you love comic book movies. <laughs> I know you love them. Is right now there's this huge push on Twitter and everywhere else. Release the Snyder Cut. Oh, yeah. Of Justice League. This is a big thing. Uh-huh. I didn't know Zack Snyder had as many fans, apparently, as Zack Snyder has. But people are just like, huh. this thing has to come out. Uh, it's the Nixon tapes. It's, you know, it's like the society will fall mm-hmm. if we don't see what Zack Snyder would have done uh, with this rabble. That's when he was left, right? That's the one he yeah. left or was fired from or both. Mm-hmm. Was that um, the time, like, his, was it his... His daughter, daughter, I believe, had passed away uh-huh. or had died. and But the studio also wasn't happy with the cut he was okay. delivering. They weren't happy with what they were seeing. The reception of, like, Batman, Superman kind of spooked them. Right. And so when Justice League had that same tone, I think they were... They weren't uh, looking to, to hold on to him. Huh. Okay. So I, I'm sure that's a great behind-the-scenes story. But... This huge push on Twitter now, it's been building over two years, Comic-Cons and everything. There have been entire signs and protests, and it's gotten weird Yeah, uh, how much people are rallying behind this. And uh, most recently, actors started coming out. Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot, um, uh, what's-his-face? Jason <laughs> Momoa. That. Wow, good yeah, job. Thanks. Yeah. Jason Momoa. Oh, man, I can't forget him. I know. I even went to say... Game of Thrones, and I couldn't think <laughs> Game of Thrones. It just my brain was gone. They started hashtagging release the Snyder Cut yeah. all over the place. Now, the big rumor is that this is coming out. They're going to finish it in some form and release it on HBO Max oh, okay. when that hits, which, genius move. Even I would go to HBO Max to see that. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really care to see it, but if it's there, right? all right, you know, what's all the hubbub about? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any interest in this thing at all? I never saw it when it came out originally. Oh, you didn't see the Whedon? No. Okay. I haven't watched any of those films okay. since Batman versus Superman. Okay. I soured League, on it so much, I just yeah. I was like, I'm not coming Justice back. Justice League this. was certainly more fun, but it was a mess. Mm-hmm. It was just, 
It was, oof, it was yeah. a mess. All right. That's what I heard. It, like, Aquaman is that kind of the same deal where yeah. it's kind of a mess, but it's fun. Yeah, Aquaman's less of a mess. Yeah. Uh, it's it's more, I don't know, almost like a Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh, really? If it if it didn't have all the other Indiana Jones movies first, it's okay. just that kind of fun, pulpy. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull would be pretty harmless if it weren't for the ability to compare it to the other Indiana Jones films. Right. Um, Aquaman sort of, I don't know. It's yeah, it's it's all right. Yeah, it's all right. Okay. Eh. All right. So. I, so yeah, I have really no opinion on that because I just kind of cut myself off from yeah. that whole. Well, third news story. This one I'm really excited about. Okay. So Star Trek Four, yeah, uh, has gone into creative the void, mm-hmm. whatever it is, lost in a nebula somewhere. Until this week, it is back on. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. That's not the good part. Okay. I mean, that's good. I'm. I like the Star Trek series. Me too. Take one guess as to who the director is. Five hours ago, I knew it. And now, oh, I'm, did you? I, yeah. Have you heard this already? I. I. Oh, but I can't remember. I can't Noah Holly. Oh, that's what yeah. it was. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Legion and Fargo's own. Yeah. Noah Holly. I cannot wait to see. Yeah. What in the world a Star Trek movie under? <laughs> His direction looks like yeah. This this very much excited me. Yeah. So yeah, I'm it. excited about I don't that. Know. I mean, I love his shows. I know, like, was it Lucy in the Sky? Yeah. Is not supposed to be very good. Yeah. Which I mean, I still want to see it. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll still enjoy it. But yeah, I'm excited to see what he has to yeah. add to that line of movies. I don't know. It's got the full cast and that's just that's oh, a really? very yeah. So it's not like a completely like, No, it's over. back on. It's oh, full awesome. cast and Chris Hemsworth is back so they're doing some kind of time oh, travel okay. thing with his dad. Huh. Um uh, so Chris and Chris fighting together through time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll I'll take it. Yeah. Uh Charlie's Angels flop this week. This is this uh, is a complete tangent. You don't care. Anyway, the new Charlie's Angels flopped. Yeah. Uh but in the process someone on social media somewhere, uh, posted a meme, and I need this movie now. And it was, instead of Charlie's Angels, Chris's Angels. Uh-huh. And it is uh, Chris Evans, Chris yeah. Pine, and Chris Hemsworth as kind of your your uh, three spy characters or special agent characters, and Chris Pratt as the bad guy. <laughs> and I just thought this was the most genius thing I've ever heard, and I so want to see. Uh-huh. Just give me, it, it can be a Saturday Night Live sketch. Yeah. I'll take it. Uh, but... I need to see that now. So, fourth and final. I feel final. like SNL did do a sketch around like all three Chris's. They did. They yeah. did like a cold open mm-hmm. where they did a thing about Chris's being confused. Yeah, and that was fun. Yeah, but I want one of their like fake movie trailer. Yeah, I love that stuff. Yeah, Be fun. fourth and final oh. news story. Uh huh. This one's the gold mine. This is the one I thought you definitely would have heard of. Okay. Did you hear about Nicolas Cage's next movie? No, I did not hear about this. You didn't hear about it. No, no. This is real. Okay. This is 100% real. Mm-hmm. So, uh, once upon a time, a few years back, right. a script was written. Now, this script as was a, written uh, as a treatment. It wasn't even meant to be made. Uh, Superman. <laughs> no, much more recent than okay. that. Uh, but it had uh, Nicolas Cage in an almost being John Malkovich role uh-huh. playing Nicolas Cage. The person who wrote this had no idea that this would come to be an actual film. It is now about to be an actual film. It is called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Uh Uh-huh. Hold on. Okay. Hold on. 
Uh, the story will find, and I'm, I'm reading just word for word here. Give it to me. The story will find Nicolas Cage at a time in his life when he's desperate to get cast in an upcoming Quentin Tarantino movie. <laughs> During this time, he's living with his teenage daughter, though their relationship is strained. Here it is. Uh-huh. Are you ready? I'm ready. So you're picturing this? Yes, Nicolas okay. Cage. The movie also features Cage talking to an egotistical 1990s version of himself <laughs> who rides him for making too many crappy movies and for not being an action star. <laughs> that character is going to be Nicolas Cage from Face Off. Oh, I my gosh. Yeah, yeah. I promise you. So Nicolas Cage is playing Nicolas Cage and the 90s version of Nicolas Cage, probably through de-aging. In a film called The Unbearable Weight of Mass. Who's Talent. making this film? This is uh, it's written by a guy named Tom Gormican, uh-huh. Kevin Etten. Uh, and then Gormican is, is directing. I have no idea what else he's doing. Okay. Uh, but everything that's floating around is it's it's a very it's it's sort of a, a dark drama comedy uh-huh. in the vein of being John Malkovich. Okay. And uh, like I said, it wasn't written to be made, but it just <laughs> it kind of People kept reading it and thinking, like, this is this kind of great. Uh-huh. And it found its way to Nick Cage, and he's like, yes. <laughs> I have no idea. pretty cool. But I yeah. cannot wait. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait. I don't know what I'm waiting for. Yeah. But uh, I'm excited. Yeah. Even my wife knew about this new story. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't hear about this. I, I don't follow things super closely. I'm sorry. Clint. I'm sorry. That's okay. I don't know. Forgive ready me. Ready for some movie reviews then? Sure. Do you think you can follow these three movies closely? <laughs> it's really condescending. It's insulting. <laughs> yes. Okay. Up first, uh, we we have a trio of movies, and the first one we watched is Netflix's The King. Mm-hmm. Uh, and do you want to tell us a little bit about The King? It stars Timothy Chalamet uh-huh. and Robert Pattinson. Joel Edgerton? Joel Edgerton. Well, I said it much better this time than last time. Oh, did? Yeah. Did you go home and practice? I had good. I was in the mirror just... <laughs> Edgerton, 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 Edgerton. Ed, Edgerton? Edgerton. Is it with a D, Edgerton? Yeah, it's got a D in there. It's not Edgerton? Eg, eg, no, E-D-G-E-R-T-O-N. Edgar, okay, Edgerton. Ed, Edgerton. Edgerton. You can see how I was screwing that up. Yeah, I can. All right, so uh, tell us a little bit about The King. So The King follows a young boy... I'm riveted. <laughs> <laughs> that already sounds like the creepiest movie. Uh, this movie uh, is about this king. This is that just, follows I was a young reading boy. It straight from the source. Yeah, there you go. I'm it's not making it up. A right king now. follows a young boy. <laughs> no. <laughs> this movie follows a young boy, not a king. <laughs> a king stalks a young boy. <laughs> I just, you know, hey. All right. The so, king. yeah, um, this boy. Played by Timothy Timothy Chalamet. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) He is in Next in Line. Actually, he's not Next in Line. His father is King um, Henry, is he the fourth? Mm -hmm. Is Henry the fourth? Uh, Fourth or fifth? Well, he he plays the fifth. Oh, his father is the fourth. Yeah, the fourth. He's the fifth. And he's on his deathbed. And he um, needs uh, someone to follow in his footsteps. So, actually, Timothy, I can't remember his name before he is. Uh, yeah. It, it, it doesn't it really matter. It escapes me. His brother is next in line for the king, and he dies in battle. And so, Timothy Chalamet's um, character, he takes up the mantle of being uh, King Henry V. And it just follows him, and he's 
he didn't really want to be king. Mm -hmm. He um, didn't, he does not like war. He didn't want to be involved with war. He was just wanted to kind of keep his head low. He was kind of, before being king, he was kind of like just in pubs and hanging out with friends, kind of just a vagabond almost. Yeah. And uh, he, but he is thrust into this role of being king and he's trying to do things differently from his father who was a tyrant. And he doesn't want to be like his father, but through political figures around him, he's kind of forced down this road that he did not want to go. Yeah. Well, and the film borrows a couple of pieces from Shakespeare. Yeah. Not a lot. Yeah. Uh, it, it's selective, but it's it's smart. Yeah. And what it selects, uh, almost to the point, I was I was kind of surprised. I thought there would be a lot more there, but almost to the point, it's not even worth kind of talking about. I know. What it, it felt borrows, more like a historical just, like. Mm -hmm. um, drama rather than trying to be Shakespeare. And to its credit, I felt like it was in no means, by no means am I trying to say, oh, it was accurate because I have no idea. But it felt like yeah. what would have inspired the kind of things that Shakespeare was taking right. and playing with and writing about. Uh, but it, it felt much more grounded and it felt much more like a real world take. Yeah. On, on that history. I would love to do some more reading and find out. Have you done any as to just how uh, accurate it is or, or how much it's tied to real history or was it more fictionalized? Um, it's fictionalized to a degree. It's mm -hmm. like they kind of took the elements and condensed it down into this dramatic format that they had to kind of just, you know, to fit a two and a half hour movie. Well, and that's the difference, I think, between a conventional historical drama and a well-made historical drama is that you, a well-made historical drama, you can't tell. Right. And, yeah. you know, by the end of it, I was left with a, I can't tell if that was fictionalized, yeah. right? Yeah, I can't that's tell how if I felt. that was very yeah. uh, dead on to, to actual history. And so that was... That had already piqued my my interest uh, midway through the movie, yeah. where I was I was really finding myself kind of absorbed by the whole thing. Yeah, there's there's nothing grand or revelatory in it. There's no, it's, it's not a I, plot dependent film. No, I kind of liked how low key it was mm -hmm. and naturalistic, and mm -hmm. how it did feel like historically accurate, and it wasn't trying to do these big set pieces for the sheer sake of having a big set piece. Yeah. Like things kind of flowed naturally into. Okay, we're going to France now, yeah. and we're going to be invading. And so this is our point where we're going to have an action sequence, or we're going to be storming this castle. And um, but not even really storming a castle. It's done from these beautiful catapults. Like mm -hmm. I love the how that looked. That was so. That was that was great. It was so awesome. Um, yeah. It was just it's the lighting, like it was filmed yeah. so well. It was just like, yes, throwing these giant fireballs from a distance and it's like the sun setting and I was really absorbed by that. And I know I ask you this every single time this movie comes up, but remind me of the director's name. <laughs> He did Rover. Yes. I know that this time. David Mitchid or Mikad. Mikad or yeah. Mitchid. Yeah. Um, that was what I was just going to say is what really reminded me of the Rover in this was that it didn't delve too far into the intricacies of the story. It's really about these two guys. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's really about the conflict there. Uh -huh. And I appreciated that. I don't need something to always have a grand story yeah. to be able to build momentum. Yeah. I've said before how much I like when a movie feels like it's going somewhere. And that's, that's not plot dependent. That can be just like this where it's, I want to see what happens next. Mm -hmm. uh, Robert Pattinson is having a good time. Oh, my time. gosh. Yeah. A good time. He's having a blast. He really is. Yeah. And... Uh, there are several scenes where I cannot imagine that as as soon as 
cut was called or probably before everybody just burst out yeah. laughing. And it, it, do, it doesn't play ludicrously. No, it, it doesn't, doesn't feel that way. No. But when you stop and think about what he's doing in the performance and what that must have been like on set, mm-hmm. take after take, and I'm sure he's doing just wild variety of things. Right, right. Uh, they had to have so much fun. Yeah, that French accent is just <laughs> so good. It's so like at that l- perfect line of being over the top, yep. but being accurate. And yep. it's just in tune with what his character is too. It just like, uh, it, it was it a works. lot of fun. Yeah, it works. It works perfectly. Yeah. And I couldn't even tell if it was a good French accent or a bad French right. accent or if it was just being done deliberately because this guy is so full of himself. Yeah. That you could very much picture this person uh, over enunciating and over emphasizing certain words and things like that, right. just to sound a certain way to his own ear, and so it, it played into that dark comedy of the character. Yeah. Um, again, it's it's not a film for laughs. No, no. But I still found myself laughing at times, mm-hmm. uh, just watching this character be brought to life. Yeah, and I loved where his character goes in his end yeah. just like so fitting to the like arrogance and pompousness yep. that he has it's just like uh, yeah i i really enjoyed his character but yeah i i, I just really love the the natural tone to it and just how um you're following this character who was thrust into this position he didn't really want and he's trying to do better than his father but there's there's these other characters around him trying to force him into this war with France and for their own benefit. And I liked how you're, it took me a while to kind of catch on to what was actually happening with that. And once mm-hmm. it clicked into place for me, I was like, oh, this is really interesting. And yeah. I, I liked how they um, tied all that in together. Yeah. No, I, I definitely enjoyed it. I was glad I watched it. I, I was bored by the very idea of it for some reason yeah. for the longest time. Uh-huh. Finally came around, fine, we have to review it. I'll watch <laughs> it. And then I was great with it. Yeah. And by the haircuts end. Haircuts and all? Haircuts and all. <laughs> it, that, it, when, you, when it's all in context, it works. Right. Everything about the movie yeah. works. Um, and I he he's a director, a filmmaker that I really appreciate his attention to detail yeah and and the marriage of sets and costumes and and everything that's on the yeah, screen detail is yeah it's interesting to look at none mm-hmm. of it feels stage production none of it feels yeah uh, canned mm-hmm. and uh, it just I I appreciate that it's it's one I'll I'll go back and watch again yeah um, just I I don't know it seems like the kind of movie that I'll see something different in the performances and something uh, different to appreciate. Yeah, there's a nice subtlety to it that mm-hmm. you kind of have to work a little bit for. Yeah. And I, I, those are the films that I always kind of want to come back to or, yeah. or I'm thinking about afterwards. And um, yeah, it's one I want to explore again. And it's interesting because when I look at reviews for it, uh, they're towards the positive end of things, but they're kind of mixed. The negative reviews are about, well, it's just conventional and nothing happens. And yeah. Or it's not Shakespearean enough. Or it's like, not Shakespearean yeah. enough. Or it's not, and and I just feel like that sort of misses the point. Yeah, it's it's much more of a slice of life character study of these these historical figures than it is uh, anything more complex. 
um, which is not what Shakespeare was going for at all. Shakespeare was always uh, drawing from the past to satirize or criticize or comment on the present. Right. That's not what this is about. No. This is not Trump allegory. This is not modern political anything. Uh, I mean, there are certainly elements there. It's it's by no means not relevant. Right. Yeah. There's kind of these themes that just kind sure. of follow uh, through history. But there's history. themes. Yeah. You, you never get the sense uh, that that everyone making this film is trying to make a statement no, no. or trying to. Well, I think um, he's like, he might be Australian or something. Yeah. So I don't think yeah. that's probably not on his mind at all. But, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but um, I was going to say that Netflix, they I, they did like a 10-minute um, like history, like a little short video. I guess they put it up on like YouTube, a history of King Henry V. Oh, cool. And it goes through his whole reign and just where he started and where yeah. he finishes. And so it's kind of a good way to just get a nice. little footnote of who he was. Right. Yeah. So you'd recommend The King then? Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, obviously you recommended it to me. <laughs> I tried and too many I, times. in turn, my friend, recommend it right back at you. Oh, good. I'll there go watch go. it tonight. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, our next movie uh, is The Nightingale. Now, The Nightingale is set in 1825. Oh, yeah. 1825. And it's about this. Uh, it takes place in Australia. Uh-huh. And uh, it, it deals with the, the British colonization of, of Australia. Uh, interesting side note of history. I had no idea, and maybe I just missed this somewhere. I had no idea there was such a thing as, as Irish slaves in I didn't know about Australia. that at all. Yeah. That was very interesting yeah. to me. But, but this woman, uh, she's a, a young Irish convict. and Directed by uh, Jennifer Kent. I'm getting there. Okay, sorry. Don't, don't, don't jump in. I'm sorry. It's okay. Just, Slow down. Uh, this young Irish woman, mm-hmm. and she is enslaved. Uh, she serves this this British officer in in the military, and she has a husband. She has a little baby. Yep. Uh, the movie does not uh, do well by the husband and the little baby. No, or her, uh, or her. Uh, the officer and and two of his goons end up killing the husband, and uh, wow, they kill that baby. They do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, they leave her for dead. Uh, she in turn decides uh, she's not having it, and she's going to track these guys down uh, and kill them dead. Yes. And along the way, she <laughs> recruits is a kind word. She recruits commandeers, commandeers <laughs> uh, an Aboriginal uh, guide yeah. uh, who she largely mistreats throughout the film but, but comes to appreciate as, as they sort of across the wilderness trying to track down this officer. Uh, Clint, what did you think of Jennifer Kent's Nightingale? This is one of my top movies of the year. Really? I love this film. Okay. I really love this film. Wow. Yeah. Now, just so everybody's on the same page, Jennifer Kent did The Babadook. Babadook. The Babadook. And we both love The Babadook. Yeah. Uh, very good film. Uh, what what uh, what was so special about this for you? I thought all the acting was great. Mm-hmm. I thought the cinematography was great. I liked the story a lot. I I was just totally sold by it. I mean, it was a brutal watch for a lot of it, especially really the opening. Um, I don't know what is it, half hour, forty five mm-hmm. minutes, when everything is just sort of befalling yeah. this woman. Yeah, she's trying to stay afloat. She's trying to play the game. That's that's. Or, or, yeah, she's trying to do what's expected of her mm-hmm. and what she has to do to get out of the situation because she's being promised that she will be let go yeah. from her duty of serving this. Um, is he captain? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, captain. And she's trying to retain her loyalty to her husband. She clearly loves her husband. Yeah. But at the same time, she's being forced to do all these things 
for this officer uh, that goes against her loyalty. But she's well, she has she's, no choice. Really, she has no that. choice. She's be, yeah, and she's doing the only thing she can. She's playing the long game to get out of the situation with her life and her freedom. Yeah, uh, and that that was even before you get to the assault. That was just it was it was upsetting to watch. It was really yeah. frustrating, and I could feel that frustration. Yeah. So uh-huh. I just I had no idea about any of this. Now once uh, once the husband is uh, killed and the baby is. <laughs> killed? <laughs> Super killed. <laughs> yeah. Slamming um, against a wall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she's left for dead. Now she's off after them. Mm-hmm. Is that when the movie really kicked in for you or it just had you from the beginning? It had me from the beginning. I mean, just the cinematography alone and how the acting, just the acting was really good. I don't know. I was really on board. I mean, it was, like I said, it was a hard watch the, through those scenes. Um gathering my footing of l- taking in the history of this mm-hmm. event. Like, I didn't know anything about, like you said, the, mm-hmm. the enslavement of this these Irish. Um, I guess they were prisoners. Prisoners, and, yeah. And yeah, because, the prisoners that, I mean, them. Australia was like a prisoner nation, basically. It was a, it was yeah. a prison colony. Prison, yeah. For the most part. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the British essentially enslaved and murdered the Aborigines. Yeah. Uh, that uh, were native to the the land and right. Um, that was I really liked that it wasn't a straight revenge tale. I like that it didn't just focus on her. I appreciated that. Oh, here's this other element, and we're coming to it uh, much further along in the story. This is this is well past the the genocide of this people. This is well past the abuse. Yeah, it's of been this going on. People. Yeah, it's been going on for for some time. And really, the whole film just suddenly picks up in the middle of everything that's happening. I really, I and not this is not a negative g- at all. It took me a solid 15, 20 minutes even to get my bearings. Yeah, where we were, when we me were, too. what was happening, who these people are, what I, their relationship. I did the are. same thing, especially with like her relation to the captain, mm-hmm. because there's a cut of a very sharp cut where she's in the cabin with mm-hmm. him, and um, she he's basically taking advantage of her. Of mm-hmm. her. And um, so I had to kind of adjust to like, oh, okay, this is a thing that's been happening because it, she's not um, overly freaked out by it. It's just yeah. something, it's a part of her life. She's doing this to survive and to be able to stay with her husband and baby. Well, and he suddenly turns too, because at first the captain is smarmy. He's he's not a good person. Yeah. But there's there's just a little bit of hope that he's not who you inevitably know he's going to be uh but man when he turns he just doesn't turn back and suddenly he is just this uh abusive and opportunistic uh, uh, brute i think that's mainly like hidden just because he compared to everyone else he's a relatively good looking like Mm -hmm. well put together person oh yeah when skeezy mccary face comes in so i mean you know that this guy yeah and i think it's not going to be when you first see him like you might think oh he is not going to do what he's going to do and i think that's just how he was it's just we're being dropped into the dropped into this and because he seems presentable we're not thinking it's coming well and every time his character intensifies it's because something is unexpected he's a very rigid yes. uh, predictable character and he needs the world to be rigid and predictable right. so every time there's a setback he tantrums like a child yeah 
And he's not a villain in the traditional sense. He is a character that you really feel like this is a man of privilege and yeah, privilege has to corrupted get his way. him. Yes. Yeah. And and you can almost imagine he's always been this way. Yeah. They don't say it, but I guarantee he comes from a rich family. And he's and, on this path to move up the ranks and he wants to get there at any cost, really. Yeah. And I got the sense has never actually been to battle. Right. I, I, yeah, I, I, no. Almost Especially, like he came in as an officer because of privilege and he's just elevated up through the ranks. He's always been in charge. He's never been... Uh, anywhere lower. Right. There's there's a moment later on where there's a little boy that comes along with them as they're crossing the wilderness, the captain and his men. And there are these really kind of touching, uh, not actually touching because you yeah. know who this person is and yeah. you know it can't be good. Yeah. And yet there are these moments where he's actually kind to this boy. And I'm waiting. I know the shoe's going to drop. Yeah. I know this is not going to end this way. This is not, you know, his heart of gold hidden in there. Right. Um, but it, it was just interesting when he has somebody that's looking to him and following him and uh, ready to die for him. They're an asset to him. Right. And so he sees value in them. But the minute... Yeah, that Medivh, boy yeah, does not live up to the very extreme expectation he wanted, that he's put on him. Yeah, he, he wants him to, to kill somebody, someone basically. Yeah. yeah, um, and and when the boy can't do it, all of a sudden, yeah, the boy is dead to him. The boy no longer has value. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like her, he's he's very kind to her at first, until she wants her freedom, and the yeah. minute she really pushes for her freedom, as he's been promising her. That's when he's done with her. He's done playing games uh, or what he sees as games. And then everything after that is just an abuse. Right. Uh, where he sees her as less than human. And really, he sees everybody as less than human. Even the, the soldiers that are loyal to him, eventually when they disappoint him, he turns on them too. Yeah. So one thing that I really sold me on it or not made me feel like this is one of my favorite films of the year is – her relationship with um, Billy. Oh. I love their relationship. I love how it, I thought it was one of the most natural progressions mm-hmm. of a friendship. And um, and not in the typical Hollywood fashion no, no. where, oh, here's the white lady and here is the aboriginal man no. and she's going to overcome racial prejudice. No, it was and, a mutual understanding mm-hmm. for each other that they're not as different as they think that that they thought they were mm-hmm. at the beginning, and I and I liked that turn, and it, I liked how I wanted to ask you also where you were you were saying last week how mm-hmm. the last half hour you weren't sure about, and I I um I never had a feeling like that because I at some point the revenge aspect of it fell away for me and I was just totally invested in their relationship. And I that's really, what I was grabbing on to. The trajectory, and I've gone back and watched it twice. Oh, okay. The second time I did not have this problem. Okay. The first time it was her trajectory to me was, and their their friendship. Mm-hmm. I felt like, especially after she had killed the soldier yeah. in the woods, the one that had been wounded. Right. I really thought after a brief panic, she was going to get more bloodthirsty. And he was going to have to pull her back from the edge. He was going to be the thing that brought her or or kept her 
from going too far over that line. And I really felt like that's where the film's headed. And then it didn't. Mm-hmm. She kind of breaks down and she can't go through with things and he has to step up and do it. Yeah. And that's that's how I thought of it. Now, yeah. the second time, that's not how I would word that. But yeah. at the, the first viewing, that's what it felt like. It felt like she couldn't come through. She was the scared little girl. Here comes the big strong man to kill who she needs to kill. And that was... Yeah, a, I had no, none of that. No. I never and, and, of that. And second viewing, I don't know why I, I thought that. Because the second viewing, I see exactly what they were doing. Yeah. And, um, and, and the first time around, I, I think I just got too wrapped up in where I was expecting it to go yeah. instead of just enjoying it for where it was going. Yeah. I really liked how it sets up that it's this revenge um, scenario and she gets a taste of it by killing the soldier. Mm-hmm. She And it's not what she thought it was going to be. It's, yeah. it's just more blood and it's not going to fix this pain that she has. Yeah. And she realizes that when she um, is going to kill the captain. And I really liked, then it turns to just this survival and this friendship that she's um, creating with Billy and how they start just taking care of each other. And um, I like how it gets to the point where their friendship takes over and he just sees that he needs to do this for her. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. I will say the film has one of my favorite scenes of the year uh, that I've seen all year. And it's a very quiet moment. She asks Billy uh, if they have bad men like that yeah. in his tribe or with his people. And he he starts talking about, first he tries to understand what she even means. And then he says, sometimes. And he, he talks about how much they try to correct that. And then she says, what do you do with them? And it was just... Watching it, it wasn't the lines. The lines were extremely well written. I right. love that conversation, but it was watching the way that they performed them. In that moment, she's understanding more about his view of good and evil. He's coming to understand more about her view of good and evil, and then he's saying, "Oh no, we kill those people. Yeah, like if they can't be reformed, we don't let them continue to exist. We don't let them get to a place where they would ever be a captain." Right. Right. And I really felt like not only was that a great scene, but it's this really pivotal moment in the film where she starts to realize that as much as she hates this person and and Billy and everybody like Billy, uh, they have a, a keener sense of justice and a pure sense of, of how to deal with evil yeah. than any any of any of her people or or the english or anything right. else and and just it was moments like that like you were saying it it makes for such an organic bonding of the two and at no point and i appreciate this very much at no point does it have like a mel gibson patriot moment where somebody stands up and like racism is defeated yeah uh, no. they they never articulate oh now i think different or oh now i see the value of it's just by their actions, mm-hmm. it shifts. Yeah. And even then, it doesn't shift perfectly. She'll still suddenly get abusive or she'll fall into those kind yeah, of like stereotypes. When they're in the him. town and um, mm-hmm. she's about to go confront the captain in the pub and she's like demanding he stay outside. And mm-hmm. that that's kind of one of those moments where mm-hmm. it, the, it hasn't, it's not perfect. Yeah. 
their relationship isn't isn't all fixed. Well, and there's still there's still prejudice ingrained in both of them. Yeah, they can't just suddenly shake it. Right. Because yeah. they're starting to respect each yeah. other. It, it's it's much deeper than that. Uh, I th- I thought it was one of the most um, realistic depictions of somebody coming out of prejudice. Yeah. Uh, it 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 didn't feel scripted at yeah. all. It felt like a much more natural uh, progression away from that. And I really liked how it was on both sides. Yeah. Like where she just he saw her as this kind of privileged white girl mm-hmm. who can demand him to do whatever she wants him to do. And she, he's at a point in his life where he's like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I like that kind of little underarching thing where he's like, I'm not going to. No, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I guess reluctantly he does, and uh, so I, I really liked how they, they came to this mutual appreciation for each other and uh, actual friendship by the end. And when you watch documentaries or, or you see things about people who have come out of uh, white supremacist movements, or they their thinking has evolved over over the course of years or decades or from different experiences they tell those kind of stories. They tell stories where it started with human connections right. and it was not perfect and it was sloppy and it, it had a hard time growing into where they are now. Uh, it, it reminded me so much of that. Yeah. Uh, I've, I just, I felt like it was dealing with, it's an 1825 uh, far-flung island, very different cultures, but it felt like it was not dealing with the... The, the politics of today, it felt like it, it was dealing with at the core these ideas of revenge, the idea of good and evil, the idea of racism, the idea of why nations go to war or how one and, person would take advantage of yeah. another. And the, like PTSD and her like how suffering from oh my. yeah um, from this trauma of her family and her being raped for who knows how long and and that plays into her, the revenge too why she can't go through with it. When she's standing on the ridge and she just looks down towards the river and just falls. Yeah. That there, there were just different moments. There was so much going on with her character. Yeah, I like the dream sequence kind of stuff too. Mm-hmm. It was just I thought that was filmed really well yeah. and added this whole another kind of layer of yeah. um, eeriness and mystery too. Now we talked about this last week, but just to touch on it again, uh, you know, again that that first time I watched it, uh, my worry was in hearing. Uh, how brutal the film was and things like that. I was really worried it would be gratuitous, yeah. And I, I was, I was pleased that it was not. Um, I, I find it very interesting when female directors deal with female issues because it suddenly puts in stark contrast uh, how male directors deal with those. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's maybe a, a lack of. It's not every. It's not a, a straight gender kind of thing, but. Uh, we had talked about how male directors, when it comes to female assault, really focus on the physicality of it, whereas it seems female directors are much more centered on uh, the emotion, the experience, what the character is going through mentally rather than physically. Right. Uh, and I, I, I find that fascinating. It was even more prevalent the second time I watched it. Um, I could really see how much thought was being put into her experience rather than 
it's not to titillate and try to like show yeah. her body and we're supposed to no. give, like no. give this ma- male gaze no. to there, it. There wasn't, maybe I'm wrong here, but there wasn't any nudity. No, there was no, uh, no. involved in that. I think the only time that there's nudity in the film is when there's there's an Aboriginal woman, right? Yeah, uh, in in um, authentic dress or yeah. whatever, uh, but never with any of the salts. Mm-hmm. And um, and I just yeah, I had watched a few interviews with. Um, the director Jennifer Kent, and she was talking about those scenes mm-hmm. and how she was hearing how people were so taken back by them, and people were walking out and stuff. She's like, "We stay on their faces. It's not gratuitous. We're yeah. staying on their face. We're in the mindset of this woman going through this experience, and how it's just the emotion of it." And that's where I wanted to go with this. I didn't know she had said that, but. People, when you depict the physicality, uh, it's gratuitous, but for some reason it doesn't offend. Right. People don't walk out. But in a movie where it focuses on the emotion, the actual experience of it, now all of a sudden people feel that discomfort. Yeah. And they have to get away from it. Yeah. And so... She was talking also about how when you do that, when you're... Leaving you leave things to the imagination, and you're filling in the gaps of what's happening mm-hmm. below the face. Yeah. It's so much worse. Yeah. So you're imagining this scenario, and it's the worst thing ever. Yeah. But really, the, the director is just showing you what this character is feeling and, and what they're going through, right, and what right. And that's so much more powerful. Like leaving that up to the imagination. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's watching her face go from terror and pain to it goes dead yeah Uh, that and and this by that's not limited to uh you know that sort of assault or anything like that anytime a movie really wants to depict uh what happens when a character is going through trauma and they want to depict it accurately they include something along the lines of of that sort of shock that sets in yeah yeah uh where Where the sound goes out sure you're done you're done panicking you're done fighting and it's just a the body just shuts down. Yeah. Like uh, and that's, mechanism. that's yes. Yeah. And that's unsettling too. All of it was very, very effective. But it wasn't just limited to those assault scenes. It happens, like you were saying, with PTSD. It happens throughout the film. Right. After she re experiences trauma or after she goes through something uh, very heightened. Uh, or after adrenaline wears off, yeah, uh, she has these moments, and it's it's very similar to those assault moments. Yeah. And it's happening to her kind of during the scene where she's killing that soldier, yep. where she's kind of reliving her own experience of of pain and uh, torment while she's giving mm-hmm. it to someone else. And there, even though she regains control, yeah, she's she's in control of that situation. She is still one hundred percent the victim. Yeah. That was an interesting duality there yeah. where everything she's going through, she's still being traumatized. Even in taking control, even in seeking revenge, the act of revenge, which is what she wanted so badly, just continued to hurt her right. even more. Yeah, um, That was great because then at, at no point does it turn into just this slick period uh yeah and I, that's what I, I, I like so much about it yeah. it wasn't that it wasn't this um yeah like you just said it wasn't the typical fare of it being a revenge flick yeah. it was about these characters and the emotional um journey they're going on and they 
Yeah, I like that. So uh, it would not surprise me if this lands in my top 10 of the year. I'm not sure. I, I get the sense that, that you definitely had shot much higher on your list. It's definitely in my top 10. Um, I, I got to think about what else came out this I year. I started making my list just to kind of keep track. So if we get okay. to that point and we oh, yeah. talk about it. But uh, one of my I, – I love the ending of this film, of them on the beach. I thought that mm-hmm. was such a beautiful shot of them after this experience. And mm-hmm. Billy is – basically on the verge of death and Mm -hmm. just such a sad and moment and sunset and there was just so much where they were playing with the parallels between the two the singing yeah i loved how they used irish singing and the the irish singing singing. me too and how she thought it was so ugly and he thought hers was this it, it just even even in that there was contention yeah uh even though you see on their faces that there's something about the music that starts to connect them uh even though it's it's completely different before they they move on beyond that but yeah there was just it it felt like a film that that a lot of thought oh and thoughtfulness sure. was put into yeah and uh much like the the babadook where it wasn't just a story of a ghost haunting a mother and boy right it really dealt with grief and it really dealt with loss and it really dealt with uh, the strain of, of parenting and, and loss of control and all these things. This film felt very much like it had so much more on its mind yeah. than girl seeks revenge on man who oh, killed yeah. her husband. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was I was relieved it was not that movie. No, me too. I, that's not what I was expecting, and I'm glad it didn't go down that road. So, highly recommend this one. Yeah. You highly recommend this one. Ready for the third movie? I'm ready. You sure you're ready? Uh, give it to me. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, we we both watched this little film called Border. Yep. And Clint has been trying to talk me into Border for some time. Since it came out It last also year. was a movie that I wasn't that interested in, but but finally I gave in to Clint. I said, okay, I will give this After this I movie watched four try. Nicolas Cage films. <laughs> no, this was... All the way through. Before that, <laughs> I watched this film for 15 minutes. I was tired... It was late at night, and I just no, I no, this is boring. I don't want to. I want to watch it, and so I turned I'm it off. Shaking my head, Clint is shaking his head in there at me, that you could hear them. But he he was he was particularly uh, aggressive in his <laughs> verbal abuse of me. I almost pulled out the face-off card. <laughs> oh no, no, you got to save that one. I know, and I was like, this is not the moment. No. I really want it's to talk about card. I really want to talk about this, but maybe I can convince him otherwise. So, Border, I'll I'll sum it up real quick. Border is about uh, a a woman uh, who has a uh, chromosome disorder uh, and she just doesn't feel at home in this world. Uh, she she has some rather extraordinary abilities. Uh, she, she able like she's s- able to smell. to sense or, or to smell when something is off with a person, and so she works as a as a guard at um, she's like a port port authority right. worker, and she's able to basically sniff out when people are uh, trafficking drugs or they're up to no good or things like that. Um, they're hiding something. They're hiding yeah. something, and over the course of the film, she meets someone else like her and discovers that maybe. She's not human at all. She and she's not alone. And she's not alone. And yeah, that's, that's a big deal. So, um, Clint, I have just one question for you, and it's yeah. not what did you think of this movie? Uh huh. Is why I did this to you? No. <laughs> what did you make me just watch? 
because one of the best movies of last year. <laughs> this is the second time I've seen this film. I wow. <laughs> I um wow. This wow. <laughs> you did not like this film? I I did not like this film. Oh my gosh. I did not like it, Sam. I am. Uh it it um I don't know why the rhythm reminded me of that, but it I I am not often at a loss for words. <laughs> I'm really not. Now, I his watched this movie. It really is. I watched this movie, and I have been thinking about this movie leading up to this podcast, and I just... What'd you make me watch, Clint? <laughs> it's it was, a film about the it other. It is a film. It's a film about someone who does not belong and that they want to find their place in the world, and mm-hmm. they feel different and mm-hmm. like they're never going to belong. and. Mm-hmm. Turns out this, uh, she, are we going to like go into? You go for it. Okay. Well, this one. I'll tell you my problems with it after you, you praise it. (laughs) I really like this film. This woman, she meets this man who is coming through the Port Authority and they start a relationship and they find out that they're both, they're both trolls and that she is not a human. She's, um... A race of being that is that's basically been wiped out, kind of like almost like a Neanderthal, where they're slightly removed from human race, but they're also not far off from it. And um, she's in it. Everything in her life makes sense when she learns this. Why she uh, just is the way she looks, the way her like her body, and uh, why she can't have sex. And um, I just, I found it fascinating. I don't know. I really liked it. I thought it was really interesting take on like a, a mythical creature, like a mythical, like um, not a fairy tale, but just this mythology that's a, very much a part of Swedish. Like it's much more part of like Swedish culture than here. And when you, I feel like when you look at it from that angle, it's, it makes, totally makes sense. See that movie you described. I want to see that movie. I don't understand what you, <laughs> that's the movie I saw. That's I don't know. not the movie I watched. Okay. I want you to tell me. Um, I I <laughs> I really I really like the tone of it. I liked how sparse the music is. I like how it's filmed. I like the setting. I don't know. I was I'm just I really like this film. I couldn't get past the plot developments. I was really hung up on. I mean, go go to level one of superficiality with me on this one because I couldn't go past it. It was, and I felt like my dad. That's what I felt <laughs> like. I used to try to watch movies with my dad. And and he would just look at me like he had he had passed on the wrong genetic material from himself. Yeah, and he would just like, whose child are you? That was the <laughs> feeling that that he gave me. And that's when I was watching this, I could feel that I was not going below level one. Right. And it, it was things like the development of uh, this, the other troll that she runs into, just so happens to be at the center of this investigation that she's doing. And he just so happens to be the big bad. And he just so happens to be, there was a lot of just so happens. And Not when you know anything about. the baby or the clay changeling baby that he's going to swap out for the real baby. And it just suddenly turned into, if, here's my relationship with the film. So when I went back to it, the first 15 minutes, okay, I was tired before. <laughs> now I get it. We're setting up the tone, the atmosphere. I'm feeling it. I'm digging it. Yeah. Oh, now she, oh, oh, she's got, oh, she's like sniffing people out and figuring out that something's off. And now she's stumbled in. 
Okay. Oh, now she's now she's meeting somebody like her, and he's very clearly more aware of his uh, nature than she is. And oh, now we're starting to introduce, and now we're playing with with identity and gender and all of these things, and and thinking you're one thing, and then realizing that you're not what you thought you were. All right, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. And then plot. And the minute plot capital P kicked in, yeah, it lost me. And I, I just, I couldn't. I really liked it after, especially researching a little bit about the mythology of Mm -hmm. trolls and how in a part of the mythology is that they steal kids. They steal babies. And that's what they do. And they replace them with other babies. Did they ever go over any of that? Was that just dialogue that that, that I missed? Or no, they just don't, wasn't they, there? They're not feeding it to you. Well, I don't need fed, <laughs> but I would like to not have to go and, and uh, Well, I don't research. know. But that's the thing. They're, it's a Swedish direct. Like, they're all Swedish. They yes, know it. but foreign films are made for Americans. <laughs> that's Clint. the thing. It's not. No. Foreign, and I'm sorry. No. Swedish films, okay? Yes. The Swedish people, we all know. They give us Ikea. have a film industry, and they have a furniture industry, yeah. and they make things for us. They don't make right. things for themselves. That's not how art works. It's just an export. I am the consumer in <laughs> a very rich country, and so they make things for me, right? Yeah. Feeling, feeling super Western Maryland right now. I don't believe any of this. My point is, <laughs> I'm sure this plays wonderfully to a Swedish audience. And uh, I just, I, I, I see it. I see the quality of it. I see what you like. I see what you're you're talking about. I just, yeah. That's I, fine. I really like. I was this just stuff. my dad on this movie. You were. I did. I, <laughs> man. I would have thought you would have enjoyed it. I don't know. At no, I, no. <laughs> I, I just no. You didn't like the like the slight like body horror elements of it or anything. Oh, it was horror. That. <laughs> Best it, sex scene of the year, oh, and it, it wasn't it wasn't because of any of the gender stuff. It was just the fact that things were growing from other things, and stuff was coming. And when when he has the baby, and oh, I just <laughs> I, I don't have the words to properly express my like a fundamental base level confusion at this movie. This movie <laughs> made me feel confused and stupid. And I I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. That's okay. I made you watch Face Off. And without even having to play the Face Off card, you got your revenge. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, I don't regret watching it. I just still, if somebody came up to me on the street, as people are wont to do, like, hey, Ken... Uh, there's this little film border. Could you tell me about it? You know you're in the minority on this film. I know. I, I'm it's fully got 97%. Aware. I know. I know. I I saw it. I saw it. Sometimes I just <laughs> I can't get them all right. No. And, um, you are way wrong this lots time. Lots of people like friend. The Mandalorian too, but <laughs> <laughs> The Mandalorian is not border, and border is not Mandalorian. It should have a little bit more border in it. I'd be sold on it. Oof. I don't know. Maybe I don't if, regret making you watch Maybe if show. Horatio Sands was playing one of the trolls, I could have come <laughs> You can't even appreciate the prosthetic nature That of was it. amazing. So There's much no so. seems to that. Yeah, I will. I, I'll you compliment the movie up and down. People. I thought that was the people. No. I thought those were the actors. I thought that that was an actual They're chromosome deformity. No. 
but that they were They're using these weird people. disorders. They really are. I went <laughs> and looked at pictures of them. That's one of the first things I did because I'm watching it the whole time. Like, is this prosthetics? Is this real? Uh, now, that was the other uh, distraction. Now, that was from the beginning. And it was, they look like the Geico cavemen. <laughs> I couldn't unsee it. Uh, he is well. That was a ton, looks kind like of a touchstone lead. for the director. Is he wanted? He didn't because this is based on a short story by the um, author who wrote um, "Let the Right Ones In," mm-hmm. and I think in that it might be described more of kind of a traditional troll. And mm-hmm. this character, this the director wanted it to be. Um, the director is Ali Abbasi, which is the second film I haven't seen his first. Mm-hmm. But he wanted to be. He had the touchstone in his mind was Neanderthals, and he wanted mm-hmm. it to be kind of more grounded in reality where it's this race that is close to us but it's it's not us and so yeah well and that was very well done it was very convincing that in this world uh everyone would would treat the people as they're seeing them as just somebody with with a, a deformity or disorder yeah because it's not things yeah because like they've been it's, wiped out they're not a well-known thing yeah. so they're just these oddballs and they do just enough with background uh, extras staring or looking out of the corner of their eye or reacting to how, how they look you get the sense that that's exactly how people would react to right. somebody that looked like that you would never stop and think this person is not human um, you know they're certainly human enough uh, other than the fact that dogs just constantly bark at them but, <laughs> oh well well they're not far off from kind of like the animal world, too, yeah. so they're seeing them as a threat. I had a hard time with the plot of 70s genetic troll uh, torture, too. Oh, really? It's just like, oh, yeah, we were we were trolls, and these people found us and tortured us. And Well, I kind of saw it as they're not – they don't know that they're trolls. They're yeah. just as this kind of group of, of others that are yeah. – different and they're being kind of tested on. Yeah, and see, and it was elements like that had it been simplified if it was troll parents to make sure that their children can survive, amputate their tails, and adopt them off to regular families just to keep a survival of the species, fully on board with something like that. But it was just that element of, you know, here's some shady dealings and your dad, not your dad, knows all about it, but still raised you, and I don't. It just it felt very plotty. Oh, I didn't plot, see it that plot, way at plot, all. Plot, 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 plot. <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> I disagree with your plot, plot, plot. I thought it was oh, uh, rather <laughs> subtle. I don't know. I didn't feel like it was bashing me over the head of yeah. the whole time or anything. I, I got a couple of bruises. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, can't be all Nicolas Cage films. No, they can't. And you know, you just sometimes His Face Off didn't have any plot no. devices. <laughs> don't, don't half use the card. Either come full force. No, that or, wasn't any of the card. That was just in reference. It's just to fact. Our, yeah. All right. Well, what you need to do uh, is go watch. You'll know when it's Nicolas Cage Nicolas is left Cage. behind because then you'll never have to use a Face Off card because you have like six left behind cards. That's a ooh. yeah. Ooh. Now that's that's a movie that just shouldn't exist. Border, it should exist. It's a very well done film, and you know, give it a shot. Uh, it just it Clint Howard re- recommends it. It didn't resonate with me. It resonates apparently with ninety seven percent of people of who, Clint's of Clint's. Yeah. All right, you're the, you're the critical community. There you go. <laughs> we are I, the other. Um, 
I <laughs> no, I'm the other. I'm the one that's isolated. I'm alone here. Okay, I'm in the minority. They cut my tail off, and I don't know who I am in this scenario. You don't get to but be if, the troll in this scenario. I'm the troll in this scenario. The loving father is going to take care of you regardless, even knowing that you are an ugly, dirty troll. <laughs> <laughs> I love how much silence passed. <laughs> oh, that I'll was nothing was that. happening. We were not giving each other faces. We were just staring each other down. <laughs> Uh, as if to say, who's going to budge or who's going to swing? Um, nothing happened. We just suddenly laughed. He threw a punch. I did. It missed. It knocked all over, <laughs> over all our soundproofing. Yeah. Yeah. Face off. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, The King, definitely worth watching. We both agree on that one. Nightingale, definitely worth watching. Both agree with on that one. Uh, that's tough watch, but but it's, it's one to see. Uh, we're split on border. Uh, I almost feel like I've gone into a Siskel Ebert thing here. Like yeah. I really went kind of thumbs up, thumbs down on this. I give it two thumbs up. That counts yeah. for Ken's. Is that how it goes? Yeah. I'm going to sprout a thumb out of, I don't know, my shoulder because that's what happens. And uh, it's What do you mean that's what happens? Down. <laughs> I don't know. I'm telling you. When stuff started growing out of people, I'm just. No, that tracks. <laughs> you know how dogs, dogs, come on. They don't. I just, it's, They're it's sheathed. Fun. It's. <laughs> To Harry Sheath. <laughs> oh man! Can we, we rename the podcast Harry Sheath? We are we're steadily tumbling down into one of those valleys we talked about in podcasting. It's just this this deep depression, Clint. Hey, hey! All right, gotta well, <laughs> go back to what you know. That's uh, Clint and I are going to go fist fight. Uh, otherwise, I think uh, that's all we have for episode five of Cinnababble. Uh Clint, take us home. <laughs> you are home. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>